Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What's Logan? shaking, Daniel? Back with you again. Back again. Yeah, we're rocking and rolling, aren't we? We are. We are. We're pumping out three episodes a week. We need questions, by the way. Send in your questions to podcast at DIYmoney.org. It's podcast at DIYmoney.org. We're getting some good ones. Uh, we had like a two-day, three-day glitch wherever questions weren't coming in, but now it's working. So Yeah, because apparently the website launched and then we broke something else with the email. Yeah. But it's and then also, our stinking server that we use to put up our episodes started throwing in some some ads there so i'm sorry if you heard ads um but they we've i think got them eliminated well it happened like months ago yeah and we turned it off and somehow it happened again i don't know (laughs) yeah we don't uh we don't purposefully put in random ads that aren't our title sponsor because um that's not our intention. I don't even know what this is. This sort of thing ain't my bank, baby. Speaking of which, our, our title it. sponsor, yeah. Jewel Financial, um, where we do powerful planning for people. Exactly. What's new with you? Uh, not a whole lot. Is it? You and I haven't talked sports in a while since I crushed fantasy football. Is it? <laughs> is there any sports going on right now? The sports season? I, summer is kind of like the dead period for sports. I'm not a huge like Major League Baseball fan. Now, the NBA's... controversy over like the clock or something this oh year? yeah they implemented a pitch clock this year so now they have to like speed up the Keep game, the game moving. basically um some people like it some people absolutely not as good for it, hot dog sales at the stadium i bet <laughs> i guess not but i mean if you think about our local reds team there's not that many people going to the game anyways really because we're terrible so it is fun to go though yeah i'm actually going i'm going to a game um here in a few weeks so i'm looking forward to it, it should be fun yeah cincinnati reds are our local like yeah, the closest thing we have to the local team, which many people might not know, is as close as you can get to being in Kentucky without being in Kentucky. I mean, it's right on the river that yeah. separates and Ohio. Cincinnati, Kentucky. I feel like we've like taken that in. Like, I feel like Kentucky yeah. has because even even here, the Cincinnati airport is in Kentucky. Cincinnati airport's in Kentucky. People root. A lot of people root for the Cincinnati teams. I don't know if they root for the football team as much. Yeah, but people who like soccer root for Cincinnati soccer. Yeah, because they have that uh, FC team now too, which yep. is really cool. So, have I, you been to a game at the FC stadium? I feel like soccer is like having a comeback. Soccer is very much having it. on the upswing in the U.S. Yeah. It seems like so, which is cool. It's cool to see people passionate. And soccer fans are really passionate. Speaking of sports, did you all have any sports that like you and your family did as a young kid? I was thinking about baseball. My family, uh, we grew up across the river in Indiana from Kentucky. So basically, I was a Kentuckian, too, right across the river. Okay. But um, we would always go to Triple A baseball team, the Louisville Bats, was where we would go and, and watch baseball Like baseball games. bats or like bat animal? Well, the mascot is a bat. Like oh, an animal bat. Oh. But it, yeah, it's not like the baseball bat. But it's funny because right down the road is like Louisville Slugger where they make all the Yeah, which would make sense to have like yeah. a mascot that's Yeah, bad. I know. They're playing on words, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really go to any specific sports or anything. Yeah, no, we don't really follow much. I mean, I played a lot of all the random kid sports back then. but Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> which is probably why I know nothing about sports. Hey, you, these days. You, were, you did really well on your NCAA tournament bracket. We were talking about fantasy today because we just had the NFL draft. Um, we we had night one of the NFL draft that just happened. Yeah, so that 
little clue for people on what day we're actually cutting this if they're <laughs> listening two weeks later. But yeah, anyhow. Okay. Well, we have a good question today. We have a question from Lucas. Lucas, what do you got? DIY. Hey, DIY money guys. Love the show. Lucas here from Minnesota. I'm a 27-year-old teacher. And my question is about um, calculating your retirement. Um, I'm looking at maybe retiring early. So I'm trying to run the numbers, kind of loosely use the 4% rule um, to see if I can retire early at some point. So my question is, is if you have an HSA, how can you calculate that into your overall retirement number? I guess, would you combine it with your traditional investment account, 401k? Would you leave it separate? Would you not count it at all? Thank you guys. Love the show. Have a great one. There's a lot of, lot of to that question. There's a lot of elements. Yeah, a couple of things that we need to hit on for sure. So you start breaking it down. All right. So it sounds like what we're talking about here, let me try to summarize, is probably the overarching question is how to figure out how much you need for a retirement goal, which kind of backs in the question of how much, how to figure out how much you need for any particular goal. Yeah. And then what to count for that goal. Yeah. But then there's some sub questions that I do want to hit on too. Yeah. And I want to, I want to kind of first take on, he said, Lucas said he's using the general 4% rule. So if you haven't heard of the 4% rule before, I know we've talked about it on this podcast, but 4% rule is a kind of an old school math, back of the envelope math to see how much money you could take out of an account each year and that account not lose the principal. So the general 4% rule, say you have uh, a, a million bucks in an account, then you could hypothetically take out $40,000 each year and that million dollars that was your principal should be continually earning so that you don't cut into the principal over time. Is that the basics of that rule? Yeah, this is popularized by William uh, Benken or, or Benjen. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce the last name, but B-E-N-G-E-N, uh, who is a financial advisor or financial thinker. Uh, basically back-tested and created this rule. And it was, it was basically the percentage that was back-tested in such a way that it didn't run out of money over a normal retirement time horizon. Right. Now, I think the one thing to caution is uh, they mentioned early retirement. Yep. And so you can't necessarily... Remember, if this was back-tested for a kind of a normal retirement period, I think maybe it was 20 years or 25 years. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the actual paper to refresh on that. But... You can't then extend that to, say, 35 or 40 years, depending on how early retirement we're talking, and assume that will necessarily always work. It may, but you might have to actually adjust that rule slightly. So remember, that's kind of a rule of thumb, Yeah, not necessarily a mathematical hard truth. Yeah, and it doesn't take in a lot of different factors like your risk tolerance and what allocation you're in. And if you have an emergency where you're taking out a large chunk of money, there's a lot of different factors that that rule doesn't factor in. But I think for the purposes of this question, let's say you're doing a back of the envelope 4% rule, start tackling some of those other areas. Yeah, and I think what you also have to be careful of, and we see this a lot when we're working on plans with folks, is a lot of people will only incorporate 
their sort of spending into that budget. Yeah. So they'll go, okay, here is my monthly burn or my monthly spending uh, for kind of all the areas that I budget monthly. And that is, uh, I can do a 4% withdrawal and, and meet that. That's perfectly fine. But as we're going through financial planning with a lot of folks, what we realize is they leave out things like goals. So I don't know, like travel, car, cars, you know, replacements, uh, doing things with kids or grandkids, stuff like that. They also tend to leave out healthcare because healthcare looks completely different in retirement for yeah. most folks than it does in your working years. Uh, one, you might be covered by an employer plan. Uh, two, you're probably relatively healthy, so you're not spending. You know, if you're younger, you're relatively healthy, say 30s, 40s. And so you're not always spending a lot on, say, uh, uh, co-pays or deductibles, stuff like that. When you are retired, obviously, once you hit 65, you'll be on Medicare. But you're at some point in your retirement, you're going to have more health issues than you have now. So you can't take the perspective of what you have now and assume that you're not going to spend. So when we're working on plans with folks, we'll actually add in some pretty significant health um, care costs into the plan as well. So you have to add some of these other elements in and then make sure that once you have a full picture of what retirement looks like, then that works for the income that you're projecting. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Yep. That makes sense. No, it makes it makes okay. perfect sense. Yeah, and I think um, now if you're trying to factor in different components to a back-of-the-envelope math, what do you add in? Well, there's a lot of different factors. One, your age is going to make a difference. So this early retirement, you might not be able to touch your traditional IRA or your traditional 401k or 403b if you're a teacher. You might not be able to touch those at the time when you retire, and you're not going to be able to take Social Security at that time. But if you are doing a long-term 4% rule, you would add in the amount that you're getting for Social Security on an annual basis. How do you start... Daniel, breaking down, utilizing, let's say that the retirement age is before 59 and a half. So before you can touch retirement accounts, what should Lucas start thinking about as far as HSA versus a brokerage account, how to best utilize the HSA in that time period? Yeah. So here's what I do as far as our family's retirement plan. And uh, it may be something that people want to apply to their own life, maybe not. Um, but all I can really say is here's kind of a model or a framework to work with, and then people can uh, choose to adapt it or run with it or, or whatever. But I think what you have to do is you have to look at start with sort of normal retirement, which normal retirement is going to be somewhere between probably 60 and 70 for folks, like the normal retirement age, and figure that you're going to live till rough life expectancy, I don't know, 90, 92, 95, somewhere in there. So you're going to figure out 30 to 35 year time horizon. And what you need to sort of start with to even start this discussion is calculate what you need available for that. Mm. Then make sure that that is in your your kind of saving along the lines to ensure that that's in at least for you know retirement accounts, HSAs. It could be in taxable accounts too because then you open yourself to the option of early retirement, things yeah. like that, and still utilizing it. But what I do first is is for our family is I set aside kind of those funds and make sure that we are on track for that number. Then we come back and save in taxable accounts as well. And that those taxable accounts will fund our goals pre-retirement whilst we're still working. So things like cars, uh, education for kids, kind of any kind of medium-term-ish goals that okay. come up along the way. But let's say that that taxable account does really well. That's also our 
pre sort of retirement age living fund. So, you know, let's say we had the opportunity to early retire at 52 or 55 or whatever it is, we could live off of those funds until we're eligible to take our retirement funds, knowing that every year we're doing a calculation on how much needs to be in our retirement accounts and looking at what it did the last year to understand kind of how on track we are for those. Does that kind of gotcha. make sense? So we're running a number, kind of a projection on the retirement accounts, ensuring we're contributing enough in any given year to kind of stay on pace. To stay on pace for what? What is the number? Not your number necessarily, yeah. but how are you getting that number? Yeah, we don't use a 4% number. We, uh, What I do, well, one, I use our planning software. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a really good solution because it, it gives you kind of a in-depth analysis of where you're at and where you want to go. Uh, but if you didn't have access to that, what you would need to do is you would need to figure out, you know, a pretty comprehensive view of your retirement spending that you're trying to to have, including healthcare, including goals, all that. Then you need to, uh, what I would do if I didn't have a planning software is I would probably put that in a spreadsheet year by year, increase it for inflation every year, uh, and and kind of look at that total amount that you need for all of your retirement. And then I would do what's called a present value calculation to yeah. back that up to the day that you retire, you need X amount in a retirement account. But if you do that, you need to be very comfortable with making assumptions on inflation and rates of returns and all that, the type of things that we do when we, when we create a financial plan. There's some calculators you could utilize online. Um, if you decide to do that, I would make sure you understand the assumptions going into that calculator. So mm -hmm. I, would, I would read kind of the really fine print that they put under the calculators and understand some of the things that are putting in or understand why you're putting in some of those assumptions yourself. I like and when it. in doubt, I mean... Contact a financial Talk to a financial advisor <laughs> yeah, or a planner, financial planner and yeah. have them run those numbers for you. Because again, those are things that if you, if you really mess up and you stick to that plan for 20 years, you either way oversave or you way undersave or mm -hmm. you're way... It's like... It's like setting a course on your GPS or, you know, any other journey that you're on and then never looking at it along the way to see if it needs to be course corrected and yep. just kind of be like, okay, it says, you know, I typed in a few things and it says this and I'm just going to go all out in that direction no matter what happens. And uh, yeah, you don't do that with financial planning, but you don't do that in really any other area of life. I mean, right. you kind of adjust as you go. Yeah, because there's also factors that change over time. Tax rates are going to change over time. You're going to have... Um, different probably rules for social security, different rules for required minimum distributions. So you have to be constantly adjusting and changing that. I want to kind of go back to an HSA because we talk about a lot how beneficial they are. Yep. Um, and you do have to factor it into your plan if you have the option to have an HSA. So to Lucas's kind of general question, I think you definitely need to factor in the HSA. I think the best way to utilize that, though, and get the most out of it is what we've talked about. As you're putting money into an HSA and maybe you're spending on healthcare over time, you're saving those receipts, you're putting them into a safe place somewhere, or you're digitally uploading them to a file so that at any given point, whether that's retirement or if you need something in the future, you can pull those receipts out and reimburse yourself and say, okay, well, I'm reimbursing myself for the last 20 years that I've spent X amount of dollars on healthcare, I can take out of this HSA. It's been growing tax-free. Now I'm going to remove it tax-free. And it, it's a really nice benefit. I would be careful though, potentially with that triple tax benefit that as soon as you turn 55, your first area to start taking money out of if you retire is the HSA. Because you might be able to get 10 more years of growth out of that 
by keeping it into investments and then starting to maybe utilize that money later on in a normal retirement age. Isn't it time for your uh, tea break, Mr. Lucas? Absolutely. I mean, everybody's goals are different, but I know for our family personally, we think of our HSA as our retirement health care fund. And so we're putting money into our HSA now. We're getting the tax deduction. We're investing that money uh, for retirement to match sort of the uh, the estimated kind of annual amount that we will need for healthcare, you know, like Medicare premiums and out-of-pockets and all that. So we're trying to make sure that that healthcare fund is there and that our retirement accounts are more just kind of our living expenses. Now, we know in the back of our head along the way, if we needed to reimburse ourselves out of that account because we're saving receipts, we could. But in our mind, we're thinking of that. That's sort of a healthcare fund in retirement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that helps you to get the most growth out of that account that is tax-free and has kind of the best tax benefit of of kind of the known options out there. All right, Lucas, really good question. Great job, boys. Uh, Lucas sent in an audio question to podcast at DIYmoney.org. Send in those questions. The secret to wealth is really very simple, friends. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.